Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, March 24th, 2019, by guest preacher Isaac Hayes on the basis of 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 13. I've looked out the window of my dorm room a number of times this past winter, and one thing that consistently caught my eye was the snow. If there's anything I've learned in my six years here in the Midwest, it's that braving the cold is no easy task, especially for an Arizona boy myself. You can try to face it on your own, but it doesn't do you too much. You can only wear shorts for so long before you realize, oh, it's, I should wear something warmer. However, one question that I've encountered with people over the winter is, have you gotten used to it? My answer almost instinctively is, no, but I've learned to bear with it. I've learned when winter comes, you can't be careless. I've learned you've got to have some common sense to dress and live warmly to bear with it. No one wants hyperthermia. (laughs) Well, Paul today confronts us with a similar idea. He asks the Corinthians and us, have you gotten used to temptation? Or have you learned to bear with it? He raises the question, where are we going to run when that winter comes? When temptation comes, where are we going to run? To ourselves or to Christ? Run to Christ your rock. We fall flat under temptation. We endure under his grace. During Paul's time, temptation wasn't something foreign to the Corinthian believers. Corinth was a city with a mixed population teeming with commerce and many cultures. And Paul had visited Corinth during his second missionary journey and now was writing a letter to the Corinthian believers. The Corinthian church was a diverse and socially stratified congregation, just like its city. It consisted of spiritually very blessed and gifted members. Unfortunately, this led to a sinful self-confidence in many, expressing haughtiness and arrogance, confident they were strong, pious Christians in themselves. But Paul in this letter indicates there were additional issues among them. Divisions and cliques, sexual morality, lawsuits and squabbles against one another, idolatry, denial of the resurrection. But even so, the Corinthians were confident that their Christian status meant immunity to spiritual stumbling. But Paul, moving into chapter 10, talks about another people just as blessed as they were, but still prone to spiritual stumbling. I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. By writing our ancestors, Paul addresses the Corinthians as if they themselves are Israelites, God's holy and chosen people. He recalls the exodus and the pillar of the cloud with God's providing presence among Israel, who were baptized into Moses as 
in the cloud and see as they pass through that sea. Although, what does Paul mean by this? Here, Paul is focusing on that covenantal separation of God's people. Moses was a type of Christ, someone who pointed ahead to Christ, the promised Savior, a type of Christ who led to Israel's freedom. And when you think about baptism, it generally marks the beginning of a Christian's life. Paul applies that here to Israel's deliverance from Egypt and their formation as God's chosen people and the separation they had as God's chosen people. Paul is showing the Corinthians that the Israelites were very blessed, richly blessed, and building up to show how richly blessed they were, but also mirroring how blessed they themselves, the Corinthians, were, showing that God was their true rock of deliverance. And Paul goes further as he wrote that Israel ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, which was Israel, or which was Christ, excuse me, Christ. Paul parallels Christ's presence in the Lord's Supper with God's providing presence among Israel in the wilderness. And by speaking in this way, his point was to illustrate and imply, again, God being that true rock of deliverance and his continual graciousness, his stability and permanence, his faithfulness and saving work. Israel and the Corinthians were truly and richly blessed by God. However, this didn't mean they were immune to temptation, to sin, and falling away. Despite the tremendous displays of God's grace and deliverance, Paul transitions to Israel's history of notorious sins against God. God wasn't pleased with most of them. I mean, it reads, He scattered them, scattered their bodies in the wilderness. A display of his judgment for their wickedness and rejection of his grace. Paul tells the Corinthians these things from Israel's history were examples for them. Examples for them not to set their hearts on evil things as they did. And these examples of Israel's sins would have resonated with the Corinthians. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. We should not commit sexual sexual morality, as some of them did. We should not test Christ, as some of them did. Do not grumble, as some of them did. Israel's idolatrous sin in erecting a golden calf led to drunken and immoral reverie. Their sexual sins in following the seduction of the heathen nation Moab. Their complacency and testing God, demanding God to act on their own timetable in their own ways to have what they want. And they're grumbling, constant grumbling against God. All of these were met with God's judgment. And it wasn't just a slap on the wrist. It was an infliction of the death penalty. Whether by 23,000 being struck down dead, death by snakes, or by some destroying angel, through whom death came. God had revealed his grace 
in grand ways, but also revealed his justice in grand ways due to Israel's unfaithfulness. Although this was done so to not lose Israel to sin and evil. This was done to preserve and bring the promised Savior, Christ. But the matter still remains. These were God's holy chosen people, and God did this to them? Paul, by writing these examples, is communicating a serious message to the Corinthians. Temptation is real. Your sins are serious. Don't think you're immune because your carelessness and your taking advantage of God's grace will be met with serious consequences. These examples from Israel's sins would have hit close to home for the Corinthians. Uh, their, the idol feast from their pagan background often was accompanied with immoral behavior, and their community would have surrounded and confronted them with this temptation constantly. Sexual immorality was a prominent sin among the Corinthians. Testing and grumbling was among them as well, whether in their complaints to God as if he hasn't been, hasn't been faithful to them, or with one another, with lawsuits and squabbles, divisions and cliques, comparing spiritual gifts with one another. The Corinthians are just like Israel. And perhaps with a gulp of despair and a dead silence as they heard this read to them, Paul once again reminds the Corinthians these things happened as examples and were written as warnings for them. God won't let his truth and his grace be stepped on and wiped over with sinful filth. He is serious about what threatens the salvation of his people. But this couldn't really be applying to us, right? Or relating to us. We're more sophisticated and civilized and our sins aren't as crazy and bad as them. Well, think again and hold on to that thought because Paul issues an important warning in verse 12, not only to the Corinthians, but also to you and I. So, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. With what Paul had just previously talked about, this warning causes us to ponder a little more. Paul isn't trying to sow a seed of uncertainty about our faith and make us think we don't have faith. No. He rather wants us to see the danger that exists to our faith and embolden it. We're not bulletproof against our own sinful natures and the temptations surrounding us. Um, just look. When your faith is challenged, do you confess Christ or silence for the sake of convenience and not offending anyone? Comfort over Christ? Idolatry. Do you compromise God's truth and support the defilements to God's gift of sex and marriage with the world? Sexual morality. Do you find yourself complaining to God and grumbling against God's gift to you with your life, saying, oh, 
what's going on here? Nothing much. Complaining to God about how your life is going and where it's going. Demanding changes. Grumbling and testing God. Paul issues a warning against being careless and taking advantage of our faith and God's grace. Paul, with this warning, does more than just tell us, stop sinning, but rather, take a hard look at yourself. What are you doing? Not doing. Where does your identity stand? On yourself or on Christ? Be mindful to where your spiritual health is at. Otherwise, you will wander and fall flat. The more you think what Paul writes here doesn't apply to you, the more your faith flirts with danger. The danger of temptations taking a foothold and becoming only trivial to your faith. Seeming, oh, this is no no big deal. I'm invincible. I'm invulnerable. Nothing can touch me. Well, with this danger, in turn, we fall flat. We fall flat onto a path the devil loves to see us on. Just like the Corinthians, just like Israel. And it's easy to despair over all this. Easy to despair, and the devil loves to lather that despair up with, You're toast. It's over. But he doesn't get the last word. It's important to note that God, God didn't destroy all of Israel. He kept a remnant to preserve and bring into the world the promised Savior and the gospel. God's love and justice are intimately at work, not showing that he's some angry God out to get us and hate us, but rather showing and demonstrating he's a loving God protecting us, his people, from what threatens our salvation and threatens our faith. A loving God emboldening our faith to run to Christ, our rock. But why? Paul just confronted the Corinthians and us with some serious law from God. And pretty harsh stuff. But God is just as serious with our faith and His grace for us. Run to Christ your rock. We fall flat under temptation. We endure under His grace. After Paul issues this warning, Paul tells us no temptation has overtaken us except what's common to mankind. Things we're familiar with. God isn't letting strange and impossible temptations confront us, then delight in our failures and sufferings. Our God is not maniacal. But Paul tells us who our God is. And God, and God is faithful. He's our gracious and faithful God who delivered us from the slavery of sin, death, and the devil. He's our gracious and faithful God who continually rescues us from our stumblings into sin with His forgiveness 
in Christ our rock. Thank God for Christ in whom his faithfulness was wonderfully displayed. Just as it was wonderfully, wonderfully displayed among the Israelites and their exodus from Egypt and their wandering in the wilderness. So it was also displayed among the Corinthians and us. We cling to that same spiritual rock, Christ, that accompanied Israel. And that's where we find our soul's sustenance. We find our perfect record under Christ, who lived perfectly under the law for us, and who confronted, endured, and conquered temptation, sin, death, and the devil. We find our forgiveness and redemption in his suffering and death on the cross. And we find our peace, hope, and salvation and his resurrection. Brothers and sisters, our faith is emboldened by God's grace and love and faithfulness in Christ, even in the midst of temptation and sin. God won't let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. And it's important to remember that God never tempts, but he does allow temptations to occur in our lives and our lives so to test us, bringing us to the truth that our complete reliance and refuge is to be on Him alone. God doesn't allow Satan, his demons, and the world to come full-fledged towards you, overwhelm you, make it impossible. Nor, is he ever singly, nor does he ever single you out. God is always present, attending to you, his dear child, and never abandoning you. With Christ, you will not perish, but will endure. Paul tells us, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. What does that mean? Maybe a good way of putting it, God provides the outcome of us being able to endure and bear up under temptation. God doesn't just allow temptations to pop up in our lives randomly and then say, good luck, and then walk away. Nor is Paul Paul is not giving the impression that there's some secret way to getting out of temptation or finding some cop-out. No. Paul is reinforcing the comfort that we're not alone. When temptation comes knocking on the door, where are we going to run to endure and bear up under it? To ourselves, our own strength, and the self-deception that we got this? To the world, and its temporal solutions that can't embolden our faith into eternity? No. We run to Christ our rock. We run to Christ our rock and pray, Christ, my strength and deliverer, help me wrestle and endure this temptation. Help me utilize whatever earthly solutions and tools 
to your glory and not let them be my reliance and refuge. Drive me to your saving word. Comfort me with your forgiveness. Christ, my rock, keep me under your grace. So, have you gotten used to it? Or have you learned to bear with it? No, I'm not talking about winter. I'm talking about temptation. Don't become used to temptation and run to yourself to find strength and to brave the cold of temptation and carelessness and ill-equipped. This is a trap that you and I often fall into and it puts our faith in danger and makes God's grace unimportant. However, don't despair, but rejoice. Rejoice. Paul has showed you and me that we have learned and do know how to bear with it. It's with Christ. Run to Christ your rock. We fall flat under temptation. We endure under His grace. His grace that has delivered us from our sins, from temptations, and from damnation. His grace that has always been faithful to us with forgiveness, peace, sure hope, and true strength. True strength that isn't ours, but His. True strength to bear up under temptation and endure under His grace. Brothers and sisters, we're not alone when temptation comes. Christ knows exactly what we're facing and suffering. He conquered all of it, all of it, once and for all, with His life, His death, and His resurrection. Just as winter comes for a time and is done, so temptation comes for a time and will be no more when Christ returns on that last day. In the meantime, continue to run to Christ your rock. Your rock that has delivered you. Your rock that continues to deliver you. Your rock who is bringing you home with Him to the eternal glories of heaven, where we no longer have to brave the cold of temptation. Rather, we will relish and bask in the eternal and full and complete grace of Christ our rock. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.